1: 995 Gold. That's 833 995 Gold. 833 995 G O L D.
2: More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia.
3: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael.
2: To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in,
4: I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John
2: Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Clay Travis
3: and Buck Sexton Show on this Friday, October 20th. Got a lot to talk to you about today. Um, we'll be joined later in the program by our friend Dinesh D'Souza. has a new movie, Police State. Uh, it's very timely because of the weaponization of DOJ, law enforcement, and all of that for political reasons. So we're looking forward to talking to Dinesh about that. We'll also be joined by our friend, the publisher of The New York Sun, David Ehun, who is an expert in Israeli uh, politics and national security. He'll be with us to uh, give updates on the conflict uh, when can we expect the ground invasion to start, and, and, and a whole lot more. Um, Clay's polled a Wall Street Journal editorial that looks at crime in California as well as crime in Florida in recent years. And does anyone want to guess whether the blue state or the red state is doing better at handling crime and what those realities are? We'll break down those stats for you, um, and we'll also look at some of your emails, take some of your calls. A lot to do here we want to start though with the biden speech about 15 minutes uh from last night pretty quick speech um where he dealt with a whole range of national security issues and the primary thing is that he is really combining israel's fight against hamas with ukraine's fight against russia which is uh well, well we'll get into this but it's very interesting it all comes alongside a emergency funding request of a hundred billion dollars a majority of which is supposed to go to ukraine so we'll discuss but first off the media the lib media for sure loved this speech by biden and uh and wanted to give you a sense of The congratulations they were offering up after his uh, 15-minute teleprompter read. Play 16.
2: This is the the thing that Joe Biden does better than, you know, most politicians. I
3: thought this was a good speech.
4: I give him a
5: good grade tonight. I think it may be remembered as one of the best, if not the best, speeches of
0: his presidency.
1: I think he really did an amazing job. He was in command. He
3: was strong.
0: The right message for now. Joe Biden
3: has come into himself. This has been a good period for Joe Biden. Because at times like this, I look and say, "Thank God, Joe Biden's our president, not Donald Trump." Okay, that last one was Ron Clay. No, no surprise that he's going to say that. Some people say he was running the Biden presidency for a while. Uh, Clay, uh, there, there were some things in this speech, and we'll, we're going to play some clips from it. There were some things in the speech that certainly, I think, made a lot of sense. Were the right things to say? Hamas is evil. What they did is evil. When you get into the policy, and I've said this all along, Democrats at the top, the Democrat party, you know, 75% of the Democrat party is aligned with Israel on policy. It's 25 or 30%. And this actually is reflected in the polls. About 30% of Democrats don't want the U.S. to support Israel and its fight against. So that's about what we've been saying. So you've got like a 25 to 30% anti-Semitism wing of the Democrat party on policy though, combining this moment for Israel with a Ukraine funding request and acting like Israel's fight against jihadist terror stretching back for decades is the same as a territorial war between Russia and Ukraine, um, there was a lot going on here that I think people need to take a, a closer look at.
1: Yeah, I, a couple of things stood out to me. There were three mentions of his speech of Islamophobia, there were two mentions of anti-Semitism. That seems wildly out of sorts. Again, you should never judge anyone based on their religion. For anybody out there who is listening, whether you are Christian, Jew, Muslim, atheist, whatever religious beliefs you choose to be ascribed to, Buddhist, Hindu, like whatever, you have the right, thanks to living in America, to pursue your religion to the legal extent of the law. You should not act out against anyone. But to claim that there is a massive outbreak of Islamophobia when an Islamic terrorist organization just killed 1,400 Jews, like there is no moral equivocation here. The other thing I would... Equivalency. Yeah, equivalency. What I would say in general also associated with this, Joe Biden I think has mostly been right i mean yesterday we we pledged and uh, pledged our uh, appreciation to to john fetterman which i never would have believed because he's right on the issue of israel and he actually managed to say it out loud and speak it in a way that we can understand it. we played audio that was positive for john fetterman so it is important to acknowledge when people are on the right side of an issue what i would say i still want more of to me I know Biden addressed American hostages, and I want to play cut 11 here, but we still have 12 or 14 Americans, some of them children, that are being held by a terrorist organization, and I don't understand how that isn't the primary focus of American interest right now. I understand wanting to support Israel. But first, I want to support actual American citizens. Here's Biden, cut 11. To me, this is should be all everybody's talking about. Remember what happened in Iran when our embassy adults were taken hostage. It was a huge focus of the 1980 election. And it's like these 12 or 14 American citizens that are currently held by terrorists, many of them are children. It's like they don't even exist. Play cut 11.
0: Most movingly, I met with Israelis who had personally lived through horrific horror. Of the attack by Hamas on the 7th of October. More than 1,300 people slaughtered in Israel, including at least 32 American citizens. Scores of innocents, from infants to the elderly grandparents, Israelis, Americans taken hostage. As I told the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. As president, there is no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage
3: look so he he's he he's said, said it, said it. it look, He's not saying it enough I'm I, he's not saying it enough there there is a um, and the, you know the White House shared a photo of some special operations folks you saw this right yes and then they deleted it because that's, you know, active duty special. For people
1: operations. who don't know, how big of a whiff is that for that's the not, presidency? That's not movement? good.
3: That's not good. They, you do not want to be sharing the identities, especially of, of our, um, you know, elite, elite units, right? Um, that's, that's something you don't do, uh, publicly, but, uh, you know, it was a, it was a mess up. Nonetheless, there may be things that are either in the planning stage or underway that could be, to get Americans out safely. I don't know. I have no insider knowledge of this, but that's always a possibility. It's also, I think, a way that the White House probably pushes back Clay on any off the record discussions they're having with journalists about, hey, like, are you, are you guys really focused in on this? I'm sure they're saying, yes, we're focused in on the hostages and we're, but, but here's my thing. This moment should be all about Israel and Hamas. Yeah. And it really turned into, Israel, Hamas, plus Putin, Russia, Ukraine, plus the funding request goes to Taiwan. So I guess China, possible invasion of, of, of Taiwan. Um, you know, the, the fact is support for funding Ukraine for Ukraine's war is starting to dwindle in this country because people are recognizing what I said on this show at the start of the war which is that Russia is a massive machine that will lose soldiers for a very long time and that this will cost us a trillion dollars, that sounded maybe like crazy talk at the time to some people, although, you know, generally trust Puck when he talks about national security. Clay, we're already in for hundreds of billions with Russia. Yes. Hundreds of billions at this point. We don't even really know the full number. He wants another 60 billion as part of this. That's just an emergency appropriation for, did I say for Russia? I meant Ukraine, for Ukraine and all this. Um. And and to combine these two, it feels like there's a, a, an effort here to use the clear moral outrage the world has against what Hamas just did and the support that Israel should have in its response to just sort of you know to scoop in the Ukraine fight as though that's on on a similar level, similar US interests, similar possibility of this. I mean, he brought up NATO allied countries and said if Anyone, if Russia goes into any of these NATO countries, we're going to full scale war. What, what, why is he saying that right now? Do you know what I mean? It it feels like he's combining two issues where there's no need really to combine them unless you're trying to use the emotions of the moment to push for something you otherwise couldn't get.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because they're going to say if Republicans oppose this, in the event that we even have the ability to pass anything, because we should mention Jim. Joe don't have a speaker. Jim Jordan has lost the third speaker vote. Got twenty-five defections. Talk about this maybe a little bit more for a few minutes, when we come back in the next segment. But Buck, what I would say is, in addition to focusing on the hostages, I want to make sure that I don't have one red cent of my money and your money and everybody else out there who's paying taxes money going to Palestine or Hamas. So when they're saying $13 billion for the Israeli conflict, how much of that money is going to end up in the back pocket of Hamas? Because a lot of the money that we're giving to the Palestinians in the same way that that $6 billion we were going to give to Iran, a lot of that money finds its way into Hamas's back pocket because they effectively are running uh, Gaza. So wait a minute here. I want to know exactly how those dollars are being spent. And to your point, they are trying to uh, create a scenario where they can attack Republicans for not giving money to Israel because that is more popular in the Republican base right now. If there are people out there listening right now, I would say if you said, hey, we can only give money to Israel or we can only give money to Ukraine. I would think to the extent I know some of you would say, well, we shouldn't be giving any foreign funds to anybody. We're thirty-three trillion in debt. We're borrowing a hundred billion more dollars to give to another country. I understand that argument completely. But if you were just choosing, do you want money going American taxpayer dollars going to Israel or going to Ukraine? I think our audience would be ninety-five-five uh, in favor yeah. of giving money to Ukraine uh, to Israel over Ukraine. And I think that's what the Biden administration is feeling, and they're trying to link it because they want to make this feel like the two issues are connected when in reality they're totally separate.
3: There's also a very real concern over uh, the ability to supply uh, ordinance to Israel should it need it. in this. If this turns into an extended war, especially if you get into a Hezbollah front in the north, the the munitions that Israel will need. Remember, it's, it's a very high function in a very high end military. But you know, the industrial capacity has its limitations in military industrial capacity. If we have to help provide to Israel if this war gets extended or expanded, it also is an issue because we've been overextended recently trying to support Ukraine with all the munitions it needs against Russia. So you know, we're becoming the arsenal possibly here could happen we could become the arsenal in effect of two different conflicts that we're actually not fighting in and what does that mean for us now what does that mean for us now is tough what does it also mean for china because if you
1: were looking and truly wanted to go in on taiwan has there been a better time in modern history for china to invade taiwan than right now we basically have a two-fronted war already could we even support Taiwan? We can barely support Ukraine. Israel's going to have a lot of de- demands. It's Almost, we're getting closer and closer to tiptoeing up. I hate to say it, to an actual world war. You got war in the Middle East. You got war in Europe. Yeah. You've Got war in Asia. I don't know what the technical definition of a world war is. Gosh, Clay, but ha- it ain't happy, good.
3: Happy Friday. Actually.
1: Yeah, no, hey, I God. would just say it. It ain't good. I mean, I don't know how many different fronts you have to have to effectively have a world war, but. We ain't very far off, especially when you look at China, Russia, and Iran actually all working in concert together. Isn't Putin right now visiting Chairman Xi? Uh, let's update the towel you reach for when you jump out of the shower every day. My pillow, two new brands, soft cotton towels. I use them. They're fantastic. Uh, Mike Lindell had created two new lines of towels. Guess what they're called? my towels. Uh what makes the towels so soft is the kind of cotton they're made of. Now you can get a 6-piece set for an amazing introductory sale price as low as 29.98 with our name's clay and buck as the promo code. You get the designer premium line just 20 bucks more no matter what you decide on 50% savings. How do you get hooked up? Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener special square to get the 6-piece my towel set 50% in savings enter the promo code clay and buck. You can also call 800 800- seven nine two thirty two sixty nine for this special and many more that's mypillow.com code clay and buck don't miss a day of the clay travis and buck sexton show
3: why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver i just don't understand
1: have we already forgotten about regional bank closures inflation global instability and the potential for serious world conflicts
3: you can look to precious metals for various reasons
1: Up to $100. Download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Who's there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation.
3: The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and a Homeless Veteran programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families.
1: The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America in so many ways. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute's Educating Kids in K-12 through Grades to help our nation keep its vow to never forget.
3: More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. the number
1: Welcome back in. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We roll through the Friday edition of the program. We've been talking, obviously, a great deal all week long about the Israeli response to the Hamas terror attack. And we bring in now David Afoon of the New York Sun, who we've had on to talk about this situation in general. And I want to start with this question. Thanks for coming with, uh, joining us here on this Friday. Why do you Later. think we aren't talking more in the media, both in the United States and, and I would argue around the world about the hostages here, uh, particularly in America, because we know some of those hostages are American. It seems to me that should be one of the primary topics of conversation. There's almost no discussion about that. Why do you think it is?
5: I mean, that, that's a, a great question, a very important question. I mean, certainly in Israel, um, that is top of mind, and it is the center point of the discussion. I think, you know, I would even go a step further. You know, it does seem that, you know, in the, in the wake of, of this, you know, horrendous terror attack, the worst massacre of Jewish people since the Holocaust, um, there was, you know, about two or three days of, of sympathy and interest from the international press, and, you know, all of the attention now is on the, the situation in Gaza. And, you know, it's just quite something to see. I mean, take, for example, this morning Greta Thunberg, who has posted three tweets uh, since October 7th. Um, nothing to say about the the Israeli children that were butchered, nothing to say about the hostages, nothing to say about Israeli Hostages, including a nine month old baby, uh, nothing to say about American hostages and there are hostages from other countries as well. You know, she's calling for a ceasefire, justice and freedom for Palestinians. So, you know, it's hard to escape the feeling, hard to escape the view um, that a lot of people just don't care, you know, when it comes to um, the Jewish state, when it comes to Jewish people being targeted. Um, Another great example is is the the strike that we saw this week or the the blast at a hospital in Gaza. Um, Initially, Hamas was claiming that it was conducted by the Israeli Air Force. Um, Israel immediately uh, released intelligence information, highly classified intelligence information, including um, satellite footage, um, recordings, video imagery showing that this hospital was um hit by a misfired Palestinian Islamic jihad rocket, and all of a sudden um, the outrage, the condemnation was gone suddenly um, nobody was outraged, nobody had um, condemnations for Islamic jihad. Uh, the second, it was clear that this was something that could not be blamed on the Jewish state um you know radio silence from from all of the great humanitarians around the world.
3: Uh, there's now been, been many days where we describe the imminent, uh, Israeli, you know, IDF invasion, incursion, military operation into Gaza. What do you think that is the delay just a question of, uh, trying to gather the utmost intelligence? Is is there any, uh, sense inside of Israel that there's some option that could be pursued other than a major military response? You know, effectively, what is the cause in your mind of the of the waiting we're going through right now?
5: I mean, that's that's a really good question. Um, it could be, but I hope it isn't a product of pressure being placed on the Israeli government by the United States and others against moving in. Certainly, Hezbollah has said that they would launch an all out assault from the north if Israel grow, goes in. But I think you know everybody in Israel's military establishment understands that this is different. And the only way to secure that border, to ensure and stand by a promise to the Israeli people that something like this could never happen again, is to take that territory. You know, I think I mentioned this in, in the last show, but uh, interestingly, before Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu started his career in politics, um, he had a career as an anti-terrorism expert you know his brother uh, Yoni was killed in 1976 in during the famous Entebbe raid which was a counter-terrorism operation and um that inspired the uh, young prime minister uh, to focus on the question of fighting terrorism and how democracies can fight terrorism and you know one of the first books that he publishes called Fighting Terrorism and you know one of the recurring themes in this book is this idea that You know, democracies can effectively combat terrorism as long as the terrorists do not control territory. You know, if there is terrorism within a democracy, they're always on the run. Law enforcement, counterintelligence, counterterrorism intelligence will keep them on the run, will keep them uh, hiding, and, you know, their capacity to cause damage will remain limited. But when they control territory is when they're at their most dangerous. And we know 9-11 happened when al-Qaeda was free to develop um, resources, plan, and operate freely in Afghanistan. Obviously, some of the worst terror attacks against European targets took place when ISIS-controlled territory in northern Syria. And now you have a situation where surrounding Israel on three of its borders are these sort of mini-terror states uh, that have the capacity to launch these kind of, um, you know, really, really devastating assaults and attacks on the Jewish population and Israel's population, both those are what we saw over the last couple of weeks, but also uh, firing rockets and hundreds of thousands of them now that they, that they have that can really bring the Israeli economy to, the, to stand standstill and inflict a great deal of damage. So the Israelis know that the key to their security is holding land. The question is, um, you know, whether they're going to go back to that and how far they're going to be willing to go in order to, to achieve that security. both in Lebanon potentially, if that front opens up, but certainly in Gaza. David,
1: one of the things we've seen is, for better or worse, American interest doesn't last forever uh, when there are non-American-related uh, entities, right, directly involved. And I'm just pointing to Ukraine now, where if you remember, everybody cared about Ukraine. Every left-winger, it felt like, had the Ukraine flag in their profile picture. There were Ukraine flags up all over the United States. And then you can kind of look, most people don't really seem to care that much about Ukraine now. Um And, and I think Zelensky's even afraid about that. And there's going to be a legit battle now over Joe Biden trying to get over $60 billion in additional funding for Ukraine. And the reason why I ask that question is, do you have a sense, and I know it's early, but how long do you think this is going on? Ukraine has entered into a stalemate where basically neither side is moving very much. Uh, what do you think the time frame is for israel as it pertains to this gaza front and obviously it depends on how many other countries might get involved but if it's just gaza what are we talking about here in a, in, in six months are things back to a, a state of comparative normalcy is it a year is it less than that how would you assess the time frame
5: well look two points that i, that I would make on this score i mean first of all You know, I understand and, you know, appreciate the concern a lot of Americans have, especially at a time when, you know, inflation is through the roof. A lot of people are having difficulty putting food on the table and paying their basic expenses, you know, over the costs of American support for, you know, any kind of foreign activity. But I do want to state, and I think this is important, that the question of how much blood and treasure America should commit to anything that's happening around the world is different from the question of, whose side are we on you know and who is right and who is wrong and yes. even americans and public figures who are saying well we can't afford this right now you know that can be a debate that's a debate that you can have but what's been shocking to see is how that sort of translates into into you know a sympathetic line for for hamas or or a sympathetic line for russia you know we need to be clear and America. need to be clear on who the good guys and who the bad guys are and if it's not money we can share intelligence. It doesn't cost much, um, but certainly moral support. It's, it's important for the Israelis to know that they have, the American people have their back. It's important for the Ukrainians to know that the American people have their back. That we, as a country, as a people, are on the side of democracy, we're on the side of freedom, and we're, we're on the side of right versus wrong. And that's separate from the question of you know how much money we're, we, the country has available to commit to, to this or, or that theater. I mean, that's that's the first point. The second point, in terms of, and, and that should be permanent. I mean, that should go on forever. You know, there should never be a wavering in America's commitment to who's right in in, in these in these conflicts, who's on the right side and who's on the wrong side of history. Um, in terms of in terms of the patience and, and the capacity, I mean, look, um, you know, things are definitely bogged down in in Russia and Ukraine. It's a very different scenario with Israel. I mean, obviously, the the, the military is is, is overwhelmingly Powerful, you know. It's not likely to be a stalemate. Um, you know, to, to retake Gaza, which you know is 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 what it would take to really dismantle Hamas permanently. You know, is something that can be done. You know, probably four to four to eight weeks. I mean, the speed in which they proceed will have a lot to do with how cautious they want to be in the process. I mean, it's it's going to be a, a bloody battle. It's going to be door to door. But you know, America. Um, you know the relationship between America and, and Israel is very different between the relationship. It's the relationship between America and Ukraine. Um, you know, it's it's there are certain aid packages. Most of them are being spent in the in the United States, um, and there's certainly you know a very strong um, you know mutually beneficial arrangement on the intelligence level and in terms of military development, etc. So you know the Israeli people. Um, fight their own battles. They have done for, for, from from the beginning, um, and and it's not what they're asking from from the United States. What they need is diplomatic cover, intelligence sharing, and moral support from the American people. With America on the side of Israel, um, there's nothing that they can't get done.
3: David, my friends who still work in the national security sphere, um, you know, down here in in D.C their biggest concern um is that a second front opens with Hezbollah in the north and the thousands of rockets that Hezbollah has are are unleashed on the state of Israel while it's trying to clean out the uh the nest of of uh, Hamas terrorists in northern Gaza how how uh, likely do you think that possibility is and and how do you assess uh Hezbollah's calculations about whether or not they're going to try to open that second front
5: yeah i mean you know, it's it's it certainly would would make it uh, you know t- t- a tougher scenario than it is than it is right now. Um, you know, certainly a, a lot of the strategy is being uh, conducted from from Tehran, and we know that Hezbollah is an, an Iranian proxy. Um, you know, there'll be a, a calculation of risk in terms of what the the likely Israeli response is going to be, and and also the American response. I mean, you have. Um, the American military resources that have made their way down to the region as a as a as a sign and, and as a warning. But in terms of Israel's capacity to fight on two fronts, I mean they've, they've, Israel's mobilized 360,000 soldiers. Uh, they have half half a million uh, soldiers that are now mobilized, which you know for a country of nine million people, it, it, it's you know it's six seven percent of the of the entire country. I mean you speak to people. Um, in the center of Israel, and they'll tell you there's just no men around. There's no men around. The entire country is mobilized. And, uh, you know, this is a country that has that has fought existential battles on a number of occasions. I mean, in 1973 and 1967, it was fighting on the Syrian front. It was fighting on the Egyptian front. It was fighting on the Jordanian front. In 1948, when Israel's independence was first declared, they were fighting uh, eight different different Arab armies. So... You know, this isn't something new to Israel. Um, this is a country that is mobilized to defend its borders, to defend its people. It's a country that knows that, you know, the entire, the world's Jewish community, the safety of the world's Jewish community depends on its strength. And, um, you know, the, 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 you have a people and an army that are motivated, that are, that are fired up and ready to do whatever it takes to, to defend the Jewish state and to secure its borders.
1: David, thanks very much. We'll likely touch base with you again as this process continues. Uh have the best weekend that you can, man. Anytime, but. Uh, who's there for families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who's helping our nation's homeless veterans and who's helping our nation keep its vow to never forget nine eleven? The answer is simple the Tunnel the to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes Gold Star, Fallen, First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundations never forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrances across America. That includes over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, as well as dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute, helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than nine months of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs, this charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnels of Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, org.
3: You know them as
1: conservative radio hosts. Now just get to know them as guys on the sunday hang podcast with clay and buck find it in their podcast feed on the iHeartRadio radio app or wherever you get your podcast welcome back in clay travis buck sexton show friday edition hope all of you are having a good time as you get ready to roll into the weekend some good news i wanted to make sure it was accurate given that we got so much craziness going on uh, over in the gaza region we have had a two american hostages released by the way we still don't know at least i haven't seen the official number of how many american citizen hostages are being held uh but i want to share from trey Yinkst, uh who does uh incredible work at fox news he's been on the ground in israel since all of this started uh he tweeted more info on the release of the two american hostages from gaza uh, and I'm reading from his tweet. A source with knowledge of the release confirmed to Fox News the two American do- uh, hostages are a mother and a daughter. They were released on humanitarian grounds following, following Qatari mediation efforts. So this is certainly very good news. Again, a mom and a daughter. Uh, they have been handed over to the Red Cross and are on their way out a source familiar with negotiations said um, the uh, this is from CNN's Caitlin Collins. The two American hostages have been handed over uh, because the mother is in poor health. That is a uh, message, uh, a tweet that was just sent from CNN as well. So both CNN and Fox News uh, reporting that a mom and a daughter have been released. That is very good news, I would hope. That this would redouble. You just heard us talking about it. More American media attention at a minimum on the American hostages to get them out. We still don't know what that exact number of American hostages is, but I wanted to share a mom and a daughter being released and uh, they are being released to the Red Cross. So hopefully that can presage further good news that could come out, not only for the American hostages, but also for the Israeli hostages. We believe there are roughly 200 hostages still being held uh, by Hamas. We still don't know exactly what that number is. Also, a small update for you on uh, the House Speaker's race. They are having a closed ballot as to whether or not Jim Jordan should remain uh, as the potential Republican Speaker candidate candidate. It does not seem likely, at least right now, that there's going to be any strong resolution of the Speaker's race as we go forward. So uh, we are going to be joined when we come back at the top of the next hour by Dinesh D'Souza. He has got a new uh, documentary out about the status of the, uh, I would say, American police state. I think that's the name of the movie, basically, that exists as it pertains to conservatives in this country. And we will talk about, for instance, the uh, the arrest and imprisonment of a guy for sharing a meme that was not well received seven months in prison. For that, good conversation coming with Dinesh D'Souza. Thanks for hanging out with us on Friday.
3: Call
1: 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Who's there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation.
3: The foundation's gold star, fallen first responder, smart home, and homeless veteran programs comprise their in-the-line-of-duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families.
1: The foundation's never-forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America in so many ways. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute's educating kids in K-12 through grades to help our nation keep its vow and never forget.
3: More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org.
0: Today more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look. And HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com.
3: All right, everybody, welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Our friend Dinesh D'Souza joins now. He has made some phenomenal documentaries in the past. Have been incredibly successful, not just at the box office, but also at moving the conversation. His latest film is Police State. You go to Statefilm.net. That's Statefilm.net. It's got a lot of our friends of the show in this one, including Senator Paul, uh, Jim Jordan, Julie Kelly, Cash Patel, uh, Dinesh, first off, congratulations on being a grandfather.
4: Thank you. Very exciting new chapter of life.
3: Yes. Also, congratulations on the new documentary. Tell me a bit about what police state is trying to tell this audience, because we often talk about the weaponization of law enforcement um against the well, the right and against everyday folks. What are you showing everybody in and what I'm sure is a very powerful documentary?
4: Well, I want people to understand that the country is not very far away from being a full-fledged police state. I mean, a shocking idea, because we think of ourselves as the free world. We tend to look at unfree societies and say, yeah, we got police states, but that's North Korea, that's China, that's the old Soviet Union. But many of the defining aspects of a police state, think of mass surveillance, think of systematic censorship, think of... Uh, political inter- indoctrination in the schools and the media, uh, the effort to create a one-party state and lock up the leader of the opposition party. Think about criminali- criminalizing dissent, suppressing religious liberty, political prisoners. And you, you realize as you go down this kind of standard checklist that many, if not all of these things, are now to one degree or another quite manifest in the United States. So the movie has two kinds of people in it. It has whistleblowers and informants who tell you how this police state is constructed the sort of architecture of it and then you've got ordinary citizens just going about their normal life who have come face to face with the police state because i want to answer the guy who says in effect you know i'm not trump and i didn't go in the capitol in january 6th and i paid my taxes and so uh you know nothing's ever going to happen to me the fbi is never going to come smashing through my door and I think that that is a, a reckless uh, uh, attitude, and that guy couldn't be more wrong. So the film is a kind of a warning about how fast we are losing our liberties.
1: Dinesh, uh, appreciate you coming on. How much do you think this is directly connected to Donald Trump becoming president? Or did Trump just shine a light on a direction we were already headed? In other words, you know this, a, and, and history is rife with examples like this. Many times people become threatened by something and in an effort to combat that threat, they become far worse than it ever would have been itself. And and I think, again, on a historical level, the response to Trump has been like that. I'm curious how much you think it is Trump related, the excesses of the left, and how much it doesn't even necessarily correlate with him at all. He just happens to be the man in the arena right now.
4: Well, I would say that uh, two things are simultaneously true. Number one, that Trump was uh, had the effect of scaring and exposing the police state uh, to a remarkable degree, and, and he threatened the entire bureaucracy. And as a result of this perceived threat, um, the left was willing to up the ante and do things that go so far outside the conventions of normal politics. I mean, look, let's say that they... Went after Trump and had a single indictment and said, "Look, you hung on to these classified papers. We tried to get them back, but you stubbornly refused. You know, we could look at that case. But 91 indictments uh, in multiple jurisdictions, federal and state, with a shotgun approach of if we can't get him in." D.C., we'll get him in Georgia. We can't get him in Georgia. Maybe in Florida. If that doesn't work, maybe New York. If we can't get him on the criminal, we'll smash his businesses through a civil. I mean, this is classic police state thuggery. And if it was occurring in any other country, we would be screaming
3: about it. Speaking to Dinesh D'Souza, author and filmmaker, his latest movie, which is uh, out for you to see, Police State. Go to policestatefilm.net. And, Dinesh, um, the two-tier justice system is also something that i i am sure you you get into and it's something that we talk about here frequently on the show i mean you mentioned all the get trump at at any cost efforts out there i mean it, it's 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 would be laughable if it wasn't so tragic at the same time that they've got some uh former president who's going to be 80 soon who all of a sudden has four criminal indictments never before in his life indicted for anything and now there's four criminal indictments out there uh against him all seemingly picked to be in jurisdictions where they think they have a pretty good shot of of getting him particularly in the DC and New York cases um and then you look at the Hunter Biden situation and you look at other uh fa- you know favored democrats you look at Hillary Clinton you look at uh Bill Clinton and it feels like in our politics today there's a different justice system depending on which party affiliation you have
2: uh,
4: absolutely, I think it's important to realize, however, that this is not simply a matter of a double standard the The double standard conceals a single standard that is hiding behind it, so police states always offer immunity. To the people who are helping to build or administer the police state and they always go after the people who threaten the police state that's a consistent single standard and so look at all the for example the palestine and hamas guys who are in the cannon building yelling and screaming if you watch those guys they're in the building they're doing all the things that the january 6 protesters are accused of they're in uh a, 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 then they shouldn't be in the building who let them in how do they get through the metal detectors um, they're parading uh, in a in an official building, they're obstructing an official proceeding, and yet you won't see even the slightest hint of fear in their eyes. Why? Because they know deep down that there is no way they are going to be charged. There's no way they're going to be in solitary confinement and spend months in prison. There's no way that they're going to be facing years of confinement and the ruination of their families. Look at Jamal Bowman when he goes and pulls the fire alarm. Do you think for one moment it crossed his mind, hey, listen, You know, I'm going to be charged. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be in prison. Not at all. He knew I have immunity. They're never going to go after me. I think Biden has that same sense of being above the law because, by and large, police states protect the people who are helping to build the police state. The Democrats protect against the crimes of the FBI and the FBI protects the crimes of the Democrats. Dinesh, how do you fix it? The way you fix it is, first of all, I think that the right uh patriots, the Christians, the Republicans need to recognize that we are no longer living in a situation of normal politics. And therefore, the normal Republican boilerplate, which is things like, I can't do what the Democrats are doing. I'm better than that. I'm a man of principle. Reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Stewart and the man who shot Liberty Valance, where at the beginning of the movie, you know, he's a small town lawyer. He's like, yeah, I know there are outlaws, but, you know, I'm going to rely on my law books. I'm going to file an official complaint. Yeah, and that works if you're in a small town with a good sheriff. But if you go out in a covered wagon out west and you have all these outlaws, they encircle your homestead, they want to burn your ranch and rape your wife and kill your kids. And you go, hey, listen, I'm not going to defend myself because I'm better than that. I'm not going to do the same thing as the outlaws. You know, I'm going uh, I'm, to I'm a man of principle. I mean, you would show that you have no grasp of the situation at all. And so. I think the movie, I liken it to me being an animal that sees a predator in the trees and I'm trying to warn the herd that we're all in danger and this kind of placid grazing as if to say, no, no, Dinesh, it's only the wind. Or, yeah, maybe there's a predator, but he's going to jump on somebody else's back, not mine. This is a a very reckless and dangerous attitude to have.
3: Dinesh, it feels like we're heading towards some kind of a... uh, um a, 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 a maybe pinnacle of the police state situation here with Trump. I'm wondering what you think is is likely to occur between now and and the election. Uh, I was going to say this is something that we're in obviously unprecedented territory. We have a former president who is facing the weaponization of the deep state that was working against him while he was president. Now he's a technically a private citizen. He's the primary Republican candidate and he's got all these trials against him do you think that this could be the moment that the american people recognize the extent that the police state actually threatens the republic that it pretends to be protecting
4: yeah the police state has gotten as far as it has because it um it's camouflaged right it's this is not stalin's police state where if they arrest you at the train station they don't have to give you a reason they just go you're on a list come with me Our police state has to um, march and does march behind the banner of saving democracy, um, of upholding uh, truth against misinformation and disinformation, uh, administering the rule of law, you know, which is, it's not that we want to go after Trump, Dinesh, but we have, no one's above the law, uh, even affirming freedom. So a lot of Americans are lulled into a sense that things are on the up and up. Even with Trump in court, they go, well, there's a judge and there's a bailiff and there's a jury and there's legal procedures are being established. So things seem like they are being carried out in the normal manner. But the problem with the police state is that the you have the outward trappings of law, but police states are inherently lawless. Now, you are quite right. Who knows what's going to happen next year? You'd have to say that with 91 charges the the chance that Trump will be convicted of something is extremely high. I would put that at 90 percent. Now, what's the chance that he will actually be in jail or confined while running for president? I mean, imagine the spectacle of that. And I'd have to give that a 50 percent chance. So I think that we are in a completely uncharted territory and it's impossible to predict what will happen next year
1: dinesh i want to hammer this home uh you you were making the uh using the example and pointing out hey people think that this is not going to happen to them on some level and they're not necessarily paying attention to what's going on we I, i think we talked about this a little bit earlier in the program but we got a guy who put a meme up of hillary clinton clearly making a joke and he got seven months in prison for that i'm sure you saw that story so People out there who are just making jokes online, if the jokes offend the wrong people, you can go down. I mean, I'm still totally befuddled by how that ended up happening.
4: Well, we have a lot of this in the film, ordinary people who experience what Orwell called the boot stamping on the human face uh, in many different ways. I'll give us another example that is just just as preposterous, and that is that let's imagine that you are a business guy who went to Washington, D.C., on January 5th of 2021 for a business meeting. Or you're a kid who was flown into Washington, D.C. to, let's say, spend the weekend with your dad. You, you're not a Trumpster. You didn't go to the rally. You didn't go inside the Capitol. You had nothing to do with any of that, but you simply traveled to Washington, D.C. Do you realize that to this date, you are on a list and air marshals are following you when you travel now around the country because you have a threat tag on your name and you are seen as a potential terrorist? This is happening to people who, as I say, went to Washington, D.C. around that time, even though they have no involvement whatsoever. And, and we know this because we have I've got confirmation from air marshals who have actually done this. So this kind of stuff is in the film. And I think it's going to show people that it might begin with Trump. It might begin with the political prisoners of January 6th. But pretty soon it spreads very contagiously to the rest of the population.
1: Dinesh D'Souza, our guest. If people want to see the film, how do they watch it?
4: The film is in hundreds of theaters on two days: October 23rd, Monday, this coming Monday, and October 25th. And the tickets are at policestatefilm.net. You can't get them at Fandango. You can't get them at the theater. You got to go to the website policestatefilm.net. And if you can't make the theater on Friday, October 27th, there's a virtual premiere, full screening of the film, live Q and A with Dan Bongino and me to follow all for the price of a movie ticket. So the one-stop shop to get tickets, policestatefilm.net.
1: Good job. Keep up the good work, Janash.
4: Appreciate the time. Thank you.
1: Look, everybody out there, people know uh, that men rely on testosterone for energy. It's our source of stamina, energy, and drive. And when there's not enough testosterone in your system, energy runs low and you're less productive than you otherwise would be. Problem doesn't fix itself. Body needs the benefit of testosterone. One way you can get all-natural testosterone help, Chalk's Mel Vitality Stack. All-natural, like I said, leading ingredient will help to replenish diminished amounts of testosterone in guy's body up to 20% in just three months' time. whole lot more Chalk's male vitality stack does to improve your overall health, but this aspect alone makes it so worthwhile, you'll want to make it a part of your daily re- regimen. Find it online, chalk.com. That's spelled, check out the website, choq.com. You can save 35% off any Chalk subscription you choose for life, when you use My Name Clay in the sign-up process, that's choq.com, My Name Clay, C-L-A-Y, to save 35% off your subscription. Inspiring you to seek out the truth. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show.
4: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do